Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you. Amen. We are blessed to have uh, Ryan Riggs come and share the word with us this morning. And so you give him a big river welcome as he comes and uh, shares the word with us today. We are so glad to have these guys with us. Looking forward to what God has in store for them. And uh, Amen. It is wonderful to feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. Uh, so glad to have the opportunity to speak to you uh, this morning. Um, I'm, I don't know if you are, but I'm nervous. So if, you were, if you're a little bit nervous, that'd make me feel better. So, okay, good. <laughs> well, but uh, if you have your Bibles, you can tr- be turned to the book of First Chronicles. And uh, I want to talk to you about something that we have experienced already this morning, and that is being in the presence, in the presence, amen. First Chronicles chapter 16, First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength, seek His presence continually. If we could, I'd like to pray just one last time before we get started here. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me. I pray that you would anoint my my lips, that I would speak only your words, Lord, that it would be nothing of my own, God, but that I would speak for you, Lord. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Some context for this uh, verse. Uh, This is David, and he is saying uh, these things because the ark has finally been returned to Jerusalem. This is uh, kind of a retelling of the story in 2 Samuel Uh, After David has defeated the Philistines and the ark has been recovered, there's a whole process where they have to bring the ark from where it is to bring it back into Jerusalem, and they kind of mess things up along the way. But eventually, they get the ark back to where it is supposed to be, back into the tabernacle. And the the ark is, uh, for the people of Israel, it was the physical representation of the presence of God. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant, it was supposed to be kept in the Holy of Holies in the, the tabernacle, the innermost chamber of the tabernacle, of the temple. And only the high priest would ever uh, enter that place, and even then only once a year. It was kept secluded away from the rest of the people. And for the people of Israel, this was the only place where heaven and earth could intersect, where man could experience the presence of God. This was, this was it. They didn't have a bunch of churches scattered all over the place where you could you know, pick and choose where you wanted to go. This was the only place. And it was not even available to everyone. Only if you were a priest. Only if you were the high priest. And then only once a year you could enter this place and experience the presence of God. So imagine the joy and excitement, the, the relief of expectant anticipation when finally the ark is back, returned to its proper place. But this whole process and this whole uh, the way of doing things was, was not God's original intention for how His presence was to be experienced. 
If you remember in Genesis how, how God walked and talked with Adam and Eve that daily, they experienced the fullness of the presence of God. That, that was his intention, to be able to be present and to have the presence of God fully with humanity and to experience that fellowship with him on a daily basis. But because of sin, man could no longer experience the presence of God. The nature of man was changed in that instant, in that moment of sin. And we read the, of the fear and the shame and guilt that followed. Man was no longer uh, this, this pure image of God as he was created. And because of that, he could not endure the presence of God. The, the presence of God, it, it wasn't hid away because God was shy. It was hid to protect the people because man in his sinful state cannot endure the presence of a holy God. It's like uh, if you have a piece of paper and you, you don't even have to touch it to a stove or to the flame. You just get it near that presence of that heat and it will combust. Just, just in that same manner, man's sinful nature could not endure in the presence of a holy God. And so we read throughout the Old Testament the, the story uh, unfolding of God seeking to dwell with his people but their sinful nature forcing him to be further and further removed from them until we come to this current state of affairs in the text where in the era of the tabernacle where God's presence, it was able to dwell with the people, but could only be experienced by a select few. And so in this verse, we see kind of this juxtaposition of the, the joy and excitement of the ark returning, but at the same time, we can see just how far the people are removed from God's true desire to be intimately and personally involved and have his presence with them individually. But what, what does it mean to be in the presence? I mean, taken, taken literally to be in the presence of, of something or someone is just to be in its immediate vicinity. And we've all experienced the effect that being in the presence of a, a certain person or a certain thing can have on you. Uh, you may be driving down the road and you experience the presence of a police vehicle parked there. And, you know, if you're like if you're anything like me, I could be going five under the speed limit. I'm still going to slow down because recognizing that presence there, it creates a change in me. It creates a change in my attitude and, and, and my expectation. Uh, or, you know, if you're, if you're working and the, the boss enters the room. I mean, his presence may change the, uh, the speediness of what you're doing your job or how you may be acting or, or whether, you know, what you may be doing at, at that moment. His presence has an effect on you and your behavior. You know, uh, uh, on the ride to, to church this morning, you know, your conversation and how you act and maybe how you talk to your kids may be, have been a little bit different if Pastor Billy was carpooling with you. You know, his presence may, may, may make a difference in how, how you talk or how you act. And the presence of others can change your behavior. It can also change your mood and your attitude. Uh, my daughters, whenever... Uh, in the middle of the night, when they are, are scared, when they have a nightmare, they, they call out for daddy. And I, I always regret that I, I was too quick to teach them 
daddy before I taught them mommy because they latched onto that, that daddy. And so anytime in the middle of the night you can ask, ask Shayla, it's always daddy first. And I'm the one that has to get up and, and go in there. But when they're scared, when they're afraid, they, they don't necessarily want me to do anything except to be present there with them. And I, I, don't, I don't have to, to, to do anything. I don't even have to, you know, uh, lay down in the bed with them. I can just, if I just am in the same room as them, if I am in, if they are in my presence, just my presence is enough. And, and I know for me, there are times in my life when, you know, I don't necessarily need God to answer my prayer, fix my situation, give me a sign I don't really need him to do all that much. I just need to know that he's there. That is the power of being in the presence. And if you, if you notice, this effect of the presence is directly related to the, the relationship between the two people, between the, the influence and beliefs and power of the, that individual. It's the relationship of the two. Like, I'm, I'm probably not, you know... They could probably pick somebody better if they're wanting protection from, you know, bad guys or monsters or whatever it is. You know, there's probably a lot of people more qualified to protect them, but they want me because of that relationship. And, you know, if I'm, you know, if, if I'm sitting in the, the bedroom of some random kid in the middle of the night, it's, that's not a reassuring presence for them. That's, it's just creepy and weird. It's the opposite effect. And... You know, there may be many people out there that are more capable of protecting my daughters than me, but because of that relationship, that, what's, that is what gives my presence meaning. Because they believe that I would do anything to protect them, and they still believe that no matter what they may face, that daddy can handle it. And what we see, honestly, we see kind of the reverse of this illustrated in Matthew chapter 8, and this is when uh, it says, Behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. This is when Jesus is with the disciples. They're crossing over the Sea of Galilee. And it says, There was a great storm on the sea, and the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus was asleep. And they, the disciples, they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the seas obey him? And I've always thought, you know, when reading that passage, that it's a little bit harsh, what Jesus says. I mean, they're in the middle of one of the greatest storms they've ever been in. They're about to, they feel, the boat is filling with water, and he, tells, he calls them, you of little faith. But that, that harshness that I saw in there was before I realized that Jesus is entirely accurate in this description. Because if, if they had faith, they would have believed that he really is who he claimed to be. And if they believed that, then his presence would have been enough. If they believed that who, who he was is who he claimed to be, they would have remembered that his presence is enough and has always been enough. 
They remembered that it was the presence of God that hovered over the face of the dark, abysmal waters of creation. It was the presence of God that led the children of Israel through the wilderness in the form of a cloud by day and fire by night. It was the presence of God that was enough for the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. It was the presence of God that visited Elijah in the cave while he was on the run for his life and spoke in that still small voice. If they truly believed and realized whose presence they were in, they would not have feared the storm. But at the same time, I do have some sympathy for them because you could hardly blame them because what stood before them in human flesh could hardly be believed. The very presence of God walked with them, talked to them, ate with them, laughed and cried with them. This was something extraordinary beyond imagining for them. Because remember, this is for them, for hundreds of years, the presence had been kept hidden behind the walls of the temple, behind the veil of the Holy of Holies. But remember, this was not God's original intent. His desire was to dwell among us. But more than more than that, more than his desire to just dwell among us. His design for mankind was for us to be an extension of his presence on the earth. In Genesis one, we read that God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female. He created them and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God to rule over the earth, to be physical extensions of his purpose and his will on the earth. This is why God expressly commands to make no graven image, no idols to represent him, because that's our job. We were made for that purpose. We are to be his image. We are to be the image of God, his representative, his, his extension of will and purpose on this earth. And yet, through the Bible, we see story after story, one after another, about how mankind fails to live up to that purpose. Every time God chooses someone to represent him and his purpose on this earth, they fail. Sometimes spectacularly so. We read the stories of Noah and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. They, they all were, were called to represent God, to be his, his spokesperson, his representative on this earth. And they all fall short. And even when, when this, this responsibility is distributed uh, across an entire people group, the Israelites, they still fail. Even when, when men are only given a portion of, of that responsibility of being God's image, of being his representative of his presence, they fail. The priests that were supposed to represent God's law and mercy failed. The judges that were supposed to represent God's justice failed. The kings that were supposed to represent God's strength and power ultimately failed. Even the prophets who spoke on God's behalf could not fully represent his presence and it seemed hopeless. If you get to the end of the, the Old Testament, you see this pattern of failure throughout 
that mankind is called to live up to his purpose, live up to his original design and intent, to be the presence of God, to be the image of God in this world. But the power of sin is too great, and man cannot fulfill his divine duty. Until one day, amen, until one day there came a man, a man who Paul called the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven and in earth, making peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus, when all others failed, he was the great high priest. He was the righteous judge of all the earth. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And he is the word made flesh. He fulfilled and completed all the things that all those previous men failed to do. And the best part is, not only did he fulfill the original commission of humanity, but and by being the presence of God in fleshly form, but he made it possible for us to do the same. Because through his death on the cross, sin was made of no effect. Death was buried with him, and when he rose from the grave, he made provision for all of us, for all mankind, to partake in his resurrection and when we believe, we become vessels for the presence of God. Ephesians says it this way, that so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. First Corinthians says, do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? How incredible that, that the same presence that dwelled in the temple, that David rejoiced to see return to Jerusalem, you can carry that with you. And what, what an incredible responsibility that is. That the same, presence, the same presence that made the lame man cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me, is within you. The same presence that made demons quake in fear. The same presence that made the woman with an issue of blood press through the crowd to just touch the hem of his garment. The same presence that drove the, the religious elites mad. The same presence that threatened the authority of Rome itself. The, the same presence that, covered, that, that comforted the weak and the weary. That presence dwells within you. But what we have to ask ourselves, what effect does our presence have? Is, is it the same effect or similar as Jesus? When you walk into a room, do people notice that there's something different in the atmosphere? Do people notice that when, when you're present, that the conversation changes? Does your presence have an effect on the people around you? Because my, my final point 
is that not only must we have the presence in us, but to be in his presence, we must seek to immerse ourselves in his presence. To give you an example, you know, I have a, a bottle of water. I could have, you know, drank a gallon of water before I walked up here. And you probably wouldn't know the difference if I had one bottle or a gallon of water. But if I had just taken a swim in the baptistry and, and came up here, you would notice, right? Because the residue of that experience would be evident on me, right? I can, I can have it in me, but if I'm not having myself immersed in it, that is when you will see that, that experience evident on me. Did you ever come uh, uh, inside from, if you went swimming, and you come inside as a kid, and your mom would be putting down towels at the, at the doorway, make sure you step on the towels before you go walking into the house to use the bathroom or whatever. And why, why did she do that? It wasn't because she was afraid that the pool was going to overflow and flood the house. It's because she knew that what you were in would still be on you. What you were in, what you were swimming in, what you were, you, you were doing out there would remain on you because when you spend time in the presence of God, you're going to take it with you. Well, you, you may say, preacher, which is it? Is it in you or, or is it on you? And I say, yes, please, both. I want him. I want it in me. I want his presence within me working on the inside to make my thoughts like his thoughts, to make my words his words, to replace my desires with his desires. But I want it on the outside, too, because I want some people in my life. Because there are some people in my life that I know are never going to experience the presence of God unless I bring some to them first. Do you ever have that family member that, that never wants to get in the pool? That they, they like to stand around and watch and they don't even have swim clothes on. And they just like to, to, to stand off. And you know what I like to do to, to, to those family members? I like to jump right out of the pool and run up to them, give them a big hug. <laughs> and you know what? When I, when I do that, you can tell. Because that, that interaction also leaves an imprint on them. That, that, that interaction, their, their clothes are going to be, there's going to be a Ryan-shaped uh, <laughs> wet mark on them. Because if we want to make a difference, if we want to have an impact and leave an impression and give them a taste and an experience of the presence of God, we need it. We need it first. We need it in us. We need it on us. We need to be immersed in it so we can impact those that are around us. If I could have uh, Brian come to the to, to the music, I'm gonna I'm gonna close here. When I was uh, preparing for this message, I I just got the the. The, the impression that if we are not full of His Spirit and immersing ourselves in His Spirit, 
then we are not going to have an effect on those around us. It's not going to have an effect on our life. But I, I want, my, my desire for myself is to be full and overflowing with His presence. And to be, to be just, just dripping off of me, right? So that, that people, not, not for my own glory, but so that people can see and know that is a man, that is someone who has been in the presence of God. And the only way that that's going to happen is if I commit myself to being in His presence, to seeking out. The Scripture says that we should seek His presence continually. But fortunately for us, the Scripture says that He is not far off. That He is near to each and every one of us. And that when we call His name in prayer, He is as close as the mention of His name. And so this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it back to Pastor Billy. But for all of us, I think we could use a little more of His presence in us, a little more of His presence on us, and be committed to sharing that experience with those around us. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.